Yeah, you're well, you're so organized. I've been on a handful of podcasts and I'm pretty good with like going with whatever, but I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I saw the test before. <laughs> I feel like I've cheated. I got the answer key. <laughs> That's so funny because I always just thought like people, you know, got the questions ahead of time so they could like come up with more yeah. stories or, you know. Yeah. No, well, I don't want to pick up the spot. Like I've it for whatever reason this year specifically I've gotten far more inquiries from colleges to come like talk to classes or whatever and um I have been so excited that like first of all it's a conversation in college second of all that people are actually like one one of my friends is a um criminology professor and I went and talked to his criminal justice class and it was cool because like you had like future law enforcement, future FBI, future attorney, future like, you know, social justice, whatever. Um, and I was just like, how cool, because we all are going to do the same thing from different angles. Like we're all doing the same thing. Like we're all, you know, it takes all kinds. It takes like all those cogs in the wheel to make it work. Um, and it's just been so cool. And like, you know, psych classes, you know, I'm up their alley, but I'm so niche that um, I feel like once you get me talking on PTSD, I, I'm I'm good. So I appreciate though the organization. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I yeah. Am. Whether it's practice building or something, I would love to talk with you at some point too about like your podcast and how you got into that and all of that stuff too, because I think that's just really neat. Yeah, of course we can do that after if you want, really sure. fast. Whenever I know, because I know you are like. I, I want to respect your time, so. <laughs> I just have to leave by 4.15, um, okay. to go hang out on 275 and drive my children around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I kind of just want to keep that intro, like, about you talking about college students. <laughs> that is fine. Yeah, I, it's, I have to say, though, too, that, um, one of the things that I think is a deficit is I love that colleges have, you know, mental health clinics like on campuses. However, the the people who work there are rarely super specialized. They're usually more generalists or they're grad students or whatever. And that's great. But I also think it's useful for people to know that if you have a special issue, um, if it's not being uh helped or fixed by you know talking with someone hour, hour a week that specialists for pretty much everything do exist and i think that's an important thing to know yeah i think especially for like young i mean young students young adults like i think that therapy has become like a lot of people are talking about it now and it's just become more of like a normalized thing which i think is awesome but also knowing like you have options to see to seek help for what you need help with. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. So mental health has become a pretty big topic on my Instagram account um, and this podcast from, you know, if you have been a follower on my Instagram or on this podcast, you know, like some of the challenges I went through with depression and anxiety going into my first year of school that kind of just hit me like a wave super fast. I didn't have time to process it. Yeah. Um, and so it's become something I just want to like be more open and transparent about. And that's why I've been trying to have more healthcare professionals on this podcast to speak about 
different topics in the mental health care space. Um, and so today I have on Jennifer Simpson. She's a Cincinnati based clinical social worker who specializes in PTSD. Hi, Jen. How are you? <laughs> I am good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So I am not well versed, I guess. I don't know a lot about PTSD. And I was kind of nervous, like asking you to come on and talking about this because I didn't really know what type of questions to ask or what was appropriate to talk about. But then I thought like, okay, that's why we don't talk that's about the point. This. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really the point of this podcast. So I'm kind of nervous, but if I say anything wrong, just correct me. You're good. And to be honest, like, because this has been my world for so long, I, I mean, I've been working in this field, um, let's see, since 06, specializing in PTSD since 07. And I realize that makes me sound like a dinosaur. But with that said, like, this is my world. And so like, I am happy to talk about it. And I will probably be like the happiest trauma therapist you'll talk to because I just love my job. I Not that I love the trauma, but I love helping people move past those, those um, painful parts of their life and be able to create the life that they want without that trauma dictating it. So you're good. There's no reason to be nervous, I promise. So you gave us just a little bit of background about what you do, but can you like... Any other fun facts? You're from Cincinnati. Um, give us like maybe some insight into how you got started and yeah. career, all that good stuff. So I will say that I fell into the trauma world accidentally. Like I did not, I was not a young child, like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna treat PTSD again. No one knew what that was. So um I knew I wanted to be in some sort of like a I, I honestly thought I'd end up being a teacher. Um I think it's one of the most, the earliest job that is tangible to us as kids. Um, and my mom worked in a school, so I was always there and so, sort of saw like behind the scenes. And, and, you know, I thought that that just sort of was what I wanted to be. So I started out um, at UC um, as an education major. And my first year, we had to take like Psych 101, like everyone does. And everyone hates that class. And I, loved it like i then i took all the psych electives that i possibly could and then what happened was is when i started to get into my actual education classes i hated them and i was really disappointed and it took me forever to realize like oh but you really like psych um so i ended up getting my undergrad in psych well aware that i was going to do nothing like you can't do anything with that after grad or after undergrad and I thought I was just going to go get my doctorate and like be a psychologist in the end. Well, so I applied to to PhD and PsyD programs and, you know, I they looked great. And like there was one that I was planning to attend. And then I was like, I don't really know if that's what I want to do. Like that's five years. And like, uh, so I ended up working for a psychiatrist um, through UC actually in women's health research for a couple years and she was a psychiatrist. And so I really got to sort of see the mental health world and, and start to get a feeling for where I wanted to fit in. I knew I wanted to be a clinician. I love research and I respect research and I, I've done my fair share. However, I knew I wanted to be in the room with people 
like doing the stuff. Um, and when I realized that I could be do that as a social worker and like have my degree in two years and that it's such a versatile degree, like I could go into policy, I could go into a school, I could go into like um, a million different ways. And then I just focused on the clinical route. And so I did two years of grad school, got my master's, um, worked full time, which I don't recommend um, during that whole thing. And then, um, yeah, so I've been doing this. And then during my in one of my internships, I met the woman I worked with for who was my boss for about 11 years. Um, she specialized in PTSD. And I did like a couple weeks in her clinic and was like, there's no way like I would ever do this. And like after a couple of days, I was like, maybe I could do this. This is cool. Like you can actually see people get better. And with a lot of mental health things, it's not necessarily like about recovery. It's sort of about like, like skills and things for like when you're anxious or when you're depressed or whatever, like more management. And I really was inspired by PTSD being a treatable condition. And so I applied for a job and I got it. And I remember my husband asking, do you think you can like work with trauma every day? And I'm like, we're about to find out. Like we are about to find out. And um, I ended up running the women's program. I saw men outpatient and I mean, I worked with both, but I, I ran a women's program. I loved working with women. Um, and then I kept having children. I have four children. And so as my life started to unfold, my need for work-life balance also became critical. And um, I started a business and kept the same niche, PTSD, trauma work, and um, have done that for four years and absolutely love it. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a path. <laughs> I know. I like, I wish I would have said like I had more intention or more of like this, like, <laughs> like, you know, conviction of what I needed to be. But like a lot of people, I think you just sort of stumble into it by ruling other stuff out. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that that's perfect that you said that because so many of my listeners will probably be able to take something from just that alone. Because <laughs> yeah. I can remember when I was a freshman, I was like, I have no clue what I want to do. No. With my life. And I still don't. So like, it's fine. And you shouldn't at 18. You, yeah. If you know exactly, like, you are a minority and more power to you. But like, if you feel like you are fumbling around and you're like, I, you should not know. Like, you should not know that answer. Like, that is... You know, this is something I think evolves as, you know, you get exposed to things like in your undergraduate career, as you meet people, like you realize how small most of our worlds are until you start meeting people outside of that bubble. Um, and that's when I was like, oh my gosh, like there's so many things that you can do. Um, I also didn't really have anyone to guide me. I'm the oldest of three girls. And so, and I'm also the first one who has like, who had um, graduated with a four-year degree. And then, so I'm the only one in my family who has an advanced degree. Um, and so I sort of like had to pave that way on my own. So like, would I've done things differently in hindsight? Maybe, but I don't think that it would have been, um, as organic as it unfolded. That makes sense. Uh, that leads me into my next question for you. What has been giving you energy lately? Girl. <laughs> The latest news cycle has not been giving me energy. Um, 
have, you don't have to put that in there if that is uh, divergent from your your standpoint. But um, I would say this particular time of year is really hard. It's the end of school. Everything's happening. Um, like I said, I have four kids. I'm everywhere all the time. So a lot of times for me, what gives me energy is like coming back into myself. Um, I love lifting. Um, to me, it's just a fun way to sort of get rid of frustration. It's a fun way to like get that like natural antidepressant hit. Um, so that, um, I will say like none of these responses are going to be super exciting because of the amount of stuff that I have going on. Um, and this is super lame as well, but I have a pretty major home renovation project going on right now. And like, I also think I should have secretly been like a house flipper in another life. Um, <laughs> but that's been really fun to be creative and thoughtful in a different way and use a different part of my brain than just like being needed all the time from like my kids and that sort of thing. I totally get that. When I need a break, I just clean or like rearrange stuff for yeah. no reason. Like I wish it was more exciting, but honestly, oh, and I also am like probably always listening to a true crime podcast or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to get more into podcasts like for enjoyment, not necessarily for education, because I feel like sometimes I just need to like not think about anything. Yes, that's almost what it is. It's like it's sort of like better than like it's better than quiet sometimes it's less stressful than trying to find music you're in the mood for um i do love to read but it's and i just don't find audiobooks as exciting and i spend so much time driving that podcasts are sort of where i've had to land yep yeah okay so not boring answers by the way <laughs> <laughs> they're real i mean i wish i could say like oh, I like create artwork in my spirit. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people do that. Self-care, I have to say, is way more boring and way more important to do consistently than doing like big, exciting things all the time. So I do think that there's a miss, miss, um, like, I don't know. I just feel like there's some misinformation there with like self-care. Like you don't need a manicure every week. You don't need a massage like every week. I mean, it'd be nice. Like if you want to have at it, but like it can also be zoning out for an hour. <laughs> it can also be taking a nap. Yes. Yeah. Eating an actual meal at an actual table. Yeah. All of these things. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I could just talk to you about that this whole podcast. <laughs> gonna get into the questions I have for you sure um, let's just start with the first one here okay. can you please explain what PTSD is for those who kind of know not really know yes um and I will so PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder so just to break it down so post-traumatic after a trauma stress disorder and I know people some people like really are turned off by the word disorder and I get it but if you just think about it, it's just a, a, a title that it's something's going on to fuck with your life. Like it's, it's messing up your life. It's not allowing you to have the relationships, um, the motivation, the energy that you typically would. So that's all disorder means. Um, I will say for PTSD, the trauma is very narrowly defined. Um, I do think and I agree with the fact that like the word trauma, I think now encompasses a wide 
range of things that can happen. And I don't disagree with that. The problem is, is that trauma affects the brain and body differently depending on the type of trauma. Um, I will also say before I get into like the second part of your question, PTSD is also just one way that trauma can affect people. So this is not saying if you don't have PTSD, your trauma wasn't legit, not at all. Actually, the most most of the time that people deal with trauma, it leads to something like more commonly is depression. Um, so I just want to say that like PTSD doesn't like it's not like a certification that like you're legit or like you're validated. It's just one way that trauma can affect people. Now, when I think of trauma in terms of PTSD, again, this is going to be much more narrow. So please don't be offended if this does not include your type of trauma. It does not mean your type of trauma is not important. Um, it just usually means that it affects the brain and the body differently. Um, so when I think of trauma, I usually think of some sort of um, threat to physical integrity. So a lot of times this could be some sort of physical abuse, sexual abuse, sexual assault, um, anything that involves somebody else in your space, like in like um, a threat to your body, a threat to your physical safety or actual harm. OK. Um, the other type is sort of like um, I, I worked historically with active duty military and veteran population. So it can be something like I think where our brain always goes with PTSD is like war and da 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 da. da. Absolutely, for sure. Um, it can also be from um, one like things that are more rare. So like uh, a fatal car accident or a serious car accident or an injury. Like I've had folks before who who were um, uh, climbers and had maybe a climbing accident. Um, I see a lot more than what I would like to have to see of people who've served, who've had a loved one die by suicide. Um, so these uh, um, child loss, um, traumatic loss of a parent, all of those sort of sorts of things are types of traumas that can lead to PTSD. Now, again, if um, there are things outside of that, I am by no means minimizing the pain or disruption that can cause in your life. If I were to assess you and treat you, though, I would want to match the treatment with the problem. So if you have a if you go to the the ER and your arm hurts, they're not going to immediately call, wheel you into an OR and start amputating your arm. Thank thank God. Um, more than likely, it's going to start with some questions, maybe an X-ray, and then that treatment plan plan would would come. So that's why um, that pre work is so important. I want people to have the the treatment that matches the problem. Um, so. PTSD is really the the easiest way for me to think of it is it's a disruption. So if a trauma happens, say I was in a serious car accident, um, it is normal for me to have a trauma reaction. It is normal for me in the days and weeks to come to have trouble sleeping, to feel more jumpy, to maybe be more irritable, to be thinking about that accident more than what makes sense, to maybe like, you know, when I'm in 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 a car and someone's coming up behind me, um, that is normal. Um, that typically will will subside after a couple of weeks, up to a month. Um, 
if I ask anybody in the days or weeks following a trauma, it's going to look like they have PTSD. That's called just a normal trauma response. That's how our body rea reacts. Now, you start getting into PTSD territory when it lasts more than that month. Now, there's nothing hard and fast about that month mark. It's just sort of like clinically where we start to look at, you know, this is starting to intrude in their life more and more. It's We're not seeing that natural recovery. We, we're seeing this more like, I always get in my head like a hamster wheel. Like it's not going down, it's like staying put. Um, and so that's usually where we find like in the brain that fear center is super activated um, and it, it it comes from a good place. Your body is trying to protect you from something bad happening again. Um, however, the longer that goes on, the more you people start to avoid things. So like maybe I start to avoid driving or I'd avoid maybe my accident happened on the highway. Maybe I start to take back roads everywhere or saying no to things because I have to take a highway to get there. Um, maybe my accident happened at night, so I refuse to get in a car at night. So what happens is like a lot of times that avoidance makes your world get smaller and smaller. Um, so it there just tends to be all of these things that sort of start to feed one another. Usually when people come to me, it's past that point to where this has started to maybe affect their work or their schoolwork or their family relationships or their intimate relationships or just friendships in general. And so they're starting to see this disruption and they can usually say, God, like since this accident happened, because that's what I'm using for an example, um, like it's just been really hard to like be me or like feel like myself. Um, and that's usually really what I hear. Um, and there's usually like, like four sort of types of symptoms that people fall into with PTSD. So there's re-experiencing symptoms. So this is ways that like, I always think re-experiencing symptoms are like the past not staying in the past. It's, it's intruding, intrusive into your present. So that can be like those horrible memories. It can be nightmares. It can be flashbacks. It can be like, like hearing a certain noise and reacting or getting emotional as if that event were to happen again. So those are some like, those are one sort of area of symptoms. The other one are those avoidance symptoms I talked about. So you start to try to avoid, again, naturally things that are painful suck we want to get them out um you're going to start to try to push away those thoughts or feelings because they feel scary they feel make you feel vulnerable again and avoiding things that might remind you of it this could be people places things um there's also this thing that starts to happen in ptsd where it starts to negatively impact your thinking you start to be more negative about things. You start to feel maybe more guilty or sad or um, like distant from other people, like feeling cut off. Um, you might start to like lose interest in stuff that you used to enjoy. So this is sort of ways that I think like negatively impacting how you think really impacts how you're interacting with your world around you. And then finally is that those like hyper arousal symptoms. So this is that like fear center that's on overdrive. 
if you are like constantly looking for a threat, you're probably not going to be sleeping as well, focusing as well. You're going to be more jumpy or startly. Um, you're going to be more on guard. And all of this is is normal. Again, sort of in the immediate aftermath. Not so much when we're talking about a month out or years out. Um, that is an indicator that sort of that that fear response has not sort of like recalibrated or rebalanced. Um, your body sort of in that that permanent fight, flight, freeze mode and trying to protect yourself. But the scary part about that is, is that there's no threat. So everything's a threat, if that makes sense. That makes sense. And I also like I've heard just from friends or people I know, like if they've had a traumatic experience, they almost like block it out. I don't know if like you've experienced that with clients or if that's something that happens with PTSD, but almost like they just for it just like didn't even happen. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. Well, that is quite, quite common with things like especially like child sexual abuse or sexual assault. It's almost, and I'm not, I'm not minimizing any other type of trauma, but those specifically tend to lead to that sort of like, just put it in over here and not, just not going to go there. Now, usually in time, those symptoms start to become bothersome and you can't run from it anymore. Um, and that's when reaching out to someone like me is a good idea because I always get the visual of standing in front of a junk closet. Okay. So like in that junk closet is everything trauma related, like all the memories, whether you've looked in that box or not, um, all the emotions, all the aftermath, all the garbage, all the pain, all the hurt, all the sleepless nights, all the whatever, all the things that you're avoiding. And what happens with PTSD is it gets to the point, you know, if you move from that door, everything's going to come tumbling out and you're like, oh, hell no. And that is where that is sort of the visual I always get of like the work that I do is that I, I want you to step aside because what's in there is going to hold you locked in in front of that door, holding it forever. Or we can go through it, keep what you want, get rid of what you want and reorganize it so you can shut the door and walk away. It's there if you need it but it's not going to dictate your life anymore. And that's really like the, um, so I feel like those true blocking out memories can only really go so long. The symptoms start to pop up in other ways um, quite frequently, but that's always the visual that I get with PTSD work is that nobody wants to stand away and like let the stuff fall out. Um, and, and you don't have to do that by yourself, uh, but just know that it is, possible doable and we can clean the mess up so that you can have control over that again yeah and you talked about like some symptoms people could experience or you know like the avoidance not enjoying things they used to enjoy would you say for like college age students I don't know how many young adults I don't know if you work with mm -hmm. I do adults. quite a few yeah um, would you say that that's like the same for them as well like how what are some ways it can surface for like college aged yeah so that's interesting and i think that's sort of how ptsd looks is really dependent upon um the type of trauma 
Because I would expect someone to be far jumpier from like a car accident per se, or like a physical assault um, than perhaps like losing a loved one by suicide, depending on the proximity to the suicide. But what I'm saying is, is that like things that re that cause that, that um, fight flight reaction at the time of the trauma are more likely to have that continue. Whereas if it's more that shock of learning something, um, there might be more of that numbness there. Now for college students, this is interesting that you bring this up because I do think that because those years are so busy and so like there's so much change anyway, it's hard to know like is this me or is this a problem or like am I drinking too much or am I just going to parties? Um, you know, is it normal for me to be sleeping with like all of these people or am I actually just empowering myself? Like it can be really difficult to sort of whittle through and figure out is this problematic or is this normal behavior? A lot of times with college students, their friends are the first to pick it up. Sorry, I have a dog and let me let her out real quick. I apologize. Okay. Yes, if you hear snoring, I have three little French bulldogs and all they do is sleep and snort. So um, I'll try to keep keep a handle on that. Um, for college students, a lot of times their friends will be the first to notice changes in their behavior. Maybe the person who was pretty social before and like went out um, is all of a sudden staying in more or is pulling away more. Or um, maybe they used to go out to parties and like have a couple of drinks, but now it's like blacking out every weekend. Um, sometimes it can be like, you know, um, just any sudden behavioral changes like that can usually signify that so something's going on. Maybe it's not PTSD, but it's probably something. So usually it's people that come like my friends wanted me to like talk to somebody or if they're close with their family, you know, a lot of times family members can call you out as well. Um, and yeah, those symptoms can be the same. I think too, especially if there's any history of sexual abuse or sexual assault, um, it can be really easy to sabotage any sort of close relationship um, or possibly going the other way, like almost like having as many relationships, sort of like a, a serial dater or like hookups. And I know that like hookup culture is a thing. And I know you actually just talked to someone from Emma's group about that, which was really cool. Um, so some of that can be just like normal exploring like college age stuff, but then some of that can be trauma driven. Um, a lot of times, you know, either completely putting off relationships or sort of doing other things can be a way that you're trying to sort of make up for that loss of control. Um, but I would say friends noticing a difference, especially sort of people isolating more um, is a big one. And then also drinking is usually a good indicator. Um, people sort of tend to fall into their patterns. And if you notice a stark difference, that can be a big one. Um, there was something else. Um, sudden, 
I mean, any anything, and this could signify many things, but it could also be like a significant change in grades or um, just, I don't know, you get used to how your friends are. So like if all of a sudden this person who always goes out is never going out, you know, maybe sitting down and chatting with them about is something going on. Um, if you know something happened, like you know someone was in an accident, you know someone was um, sexually assaulted, you know someone um, just tragically lost a family member, it's also good, like we're going to want to avoid that because we want to brighten up their day, but it is good to check in and ask because avoiding it doesn't make it better. Um, and knowing that they have support is actually the like the biggest protective factor against developing something like PTSD. Yeah, I, I'm really glad that you brought that up, like how to support a friend or family member that, you know, you may notice changes. I mean, they don't necessarily have to like have PTSD, but just right. how to handle that in a mature way while also making sure, you know, you're there for them and supporting them. Um, how do you help clients overcome the symptoms they're experiencing, you know, to help them get past um, that trauma? And this will, I have to say, is what hooked me on this work. Because there are such effective treatments for PTSD. And, and this is my, my other favorite thing. PTSD is a collection of current symptoms based on something that happened in the past. What that means is, is we can change those symptoms. We have power over that. I cannot change what happened, whatever trauma occurred but we can absolutely change the impact it has on your life. And that's where I get really excited. So, um, yeah, so this is where I get like super jazzed. So if I get too excited and need to slow down, let me know. So there's two, there's, there's a ton of different potential options out there. Um, if I were treating you for an illness, you would probably want to know what is the most effective. Um, the only thing that I offer in my practice are the top two treatments for PTSD, period. Um, that does not mean other things are not helpful. By all means, great, I have, I'm well connected in the community and I'm happy to refer you out. However, um, the biggest things that change with people with PTSD is usually their thought patterns, their emotions, and their behaviors. So I am a cognitive behaviorally oriented therapist, which means that I don't think that our behaviors just happen. I do think that they are driven by things sort of like the tip of the iceberg, right? Like we might see the excessive drinking um, repeatedly, um, but what we don't see is like not sleeping, crying all the time, starting to fail classes, like, you know, severed relationships, whatever. So there are two top treatments so one is going to be cognitive processing therapy now this will be where i think most of my folks especially my college kids love because it's very tangible it's very logical it's time limited um basically if you put effort in you're going to get results and so it's a really neat little formula so basically the way that cpt is laid out is we start by really digging into the impact that the trauma has had on you. So um, let's just say it was a sexual assault. Um, 
how is this impacting you? It's probably impacted your relationships. It's probably impacted your trust. It's probably impacted your sense of safety, um, your self-esteem, all of these things. So we'll start digging into that. And while we're doing that, we're going to start to figure out some thoughts that are keeping you stuck. So things like, I can't trust anybody. I'm not safe on a date. Um, you know, um, I'm a horrible person. Like I caught, it was my fault. It, like I caused this somehow. I'm a bad person. Um, you know, I don't deserve love. Like these types of thoughts that you can see how you would get much more stuck in that cycle than allow that to, to happen. And the thing is, is that the more that you think that and the more shitty you feel, the more that that's just going to feed it, feed itself. So then we move into sort of starting to do some actual connection of events, thoughts, and feelings. Um, some of those thoughts and feelings are going to be great. Like they're going to make sense. They're going to be natural. They're going to do what emotions do and come and go. And some of those are going to be those emotions that stick around. Unfortunately, those usually aren't the happy ones. Like no one's ever called me out like, oh, I've been feeling happy for too long. No, it's I'm anxious all the time. I'm I'm depressed. I'm angry. I'm irritable. I'm, you know, feel guilt and shame all the time. Um, and then we really work to sort of like, I, I work to teach my folks tools so that by the time we're done with this therapy, you kind of become your own therapist. And unfortunately, you sort of get this little like pocket sized gen in your head um, where you will unfortunately hear my voice like down the line of like, what are you thinking? Like, is that balanced? Uh, but that's just how that works. So it's really about teaching tools to be able to identify these thoughts or beliefs that we have, especially ones that are informed from trauma and be able to really judge, am I lying to myself or is this a balanced thought? Is this something I would tell my best friend? Because if it's not, guess what? It's probably not something you should be telling yourself either. So cognitive processing therapy is really about how has trauma informed now how we think and believe things going on in our world, probably leading to more negative emotional experience day to day. And then ultimately, how do we balance that back out? How do we recalibrate that? Um, and so, you know, again, it tends to be a very tangible, I teach you skills, you do the skills, we talk about the skills, I teach you something else. And so by the time you get to the end, there's not only a great relief around the trauma that we're working on, but these negative thoughts pop up in all different areas of our life. And so like, you have those tools, like, you, I don't own them like you you now own them and so it's really cool and that's usually around 12 sessions and i do see people weekly so if you think about that being about a three-month commitment i mean that's pretty cool right like it's pretty short in the in the um context of an entire lifetime uh and then the other one and i know this is usually the one that makes people like oh she's crazy but hear me out so especially traumas that really lead to a lot of fear. Um, the, these, uh, this can be across the board, but let, let's just say there was like a, um, a mugging or some sort of like physical assault that we weren't anticipating. There's a lot of residual fear that oftentimes shows up with those PTSD cases. Understandably, it came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it. I couldn't defend myself. I was helpless. So there's a lot of that fear that goes in there. With that said, with some folks, that fear is really the primary thing that they're dealing with. Maybe it's not the 
maybe they have some of that guilt, shame, and anger, but really it's, oh my, I'm afraid all the time. I'm, I, I can't sleep with my lights off. I can't go out anymore. I can't have anyone behind me. And so again, that avoidance gets really, really strong, which just makes the fear worse. Cause like, if I'm afraid to go out, so I don't go out for a few weeks, the next time I go out, I'm gonna be even more scared. And so the type of work that we sort of do for folks who are dealing more with the fear side of things is exposure work. Slowly exposing yourself to the thing you're scared of in a very controlled and safe way, not gonna go like, you know, sending you down an alley in the middle of the night or anything to help you build that confidence back. And again, to recalibrate that fear center, that fear center is like, boom, it's a 10. It's like, we are not getting, getting um, hurt again. We are not getting taken advantage of again, which is makes sense to me, but we are not designed to be on all the time. And so actually doing this work makes you more able to defend yourself or to be on guard because you're not exhausted and you're not looking at a door slamming the same threat level as someone running up and, and harming you. So at the same time, we're exposing to things that maybe you're avoiding. And again, a very slow like the things that you want to get back to doing safely, comfortably. I want to be able to go out with my friends on on Friday night. Like I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to be able to do that and not freak out when there's people behind me. Cool. We will make a like baby steps along the way to be able to do that, which is awesome. It's one of my favorite things to see. And then um, the other part is we purposely, again, because fear is oftentimes um, perpetuated by that continued avoidance of it, we do trauma work in session where we talk about it. Like, let's bring this to the surface, this thing that we're scared of, because the thing is, is that the more that you talk about something, you start to take that fear away. You start to take the power away. And that's where I, like, I literally just got goosebumps talking about it because it's, this is an analogy I always use too. Like, if you've ever laid in your bed, whether you're a kid or you're an adult, it doesn't matter. And you're like, holy shit, there's something in my closet. Did you hear that? Like, what was that noise? And then you, the more that you lay there and you, you know, that fear starts, the more you're convinced that that thing is a, is a shadow or a, a profile of some, like, oh my God, I definitely heard that. Like that fear just takes over and you can almost convince yourself. The best way to get over that is to get up, turn the damn light on, right? And then like that way it's sort of like, oh, it's, it's just a hat. Like, or, oh, that's silly. Like, you know, I forgot that I threw my bag in there and it looks, it looks super weird. Um, I remember like when my kids would get scared of the dark when they were little, like I would check it out for them, but I also gave them a flashlight. I'm like, you know what? Check it out. Like, why don't we check it out together? Because clearly if there's a monster in the closet, we need to take action. Um, but if it's a hat, go to bed, <laughs> like, you know? And so I, I just think that that sort of like exposure work, we call that prolonged exposure, talking about it, doing things that trauma has been able to strip away from you that you want to get back to doing comfortably. That's the key word, not just like white knuckling it, but comfortably enjoying life again, participating. Um, it's like using that flashlight, looking at that monster and saying, you know what, I, I will take the power back. Thank you. Um, so that's why I just get so excited is I get to see people not only overcome trauma, but engage in life again, which is the point. Like that's the disorder right there. When when you are no longer participating in a way that you want to be because of something that happened, that's a disorder and we can fix that. And that's where that disorder can fall off. And that's why I get excited. And I think that the hardest part is starting. Cause oh, I know, yes. Like 
therapy when like you say oh you need to start therapy it can sound really scary oh my um, gosh yes so what would you I, and I guess this is a great way to end this episode but what would you say to someone who is afraid to start therapy uh this is like this is like the million dollar question right I mean in in a perfect world I would love to get everyone immediately following any trauma and be able to like provide that support and guide through and hopefully prevent PTSD from ever happening. With that said, I think a lot of times people find me online because they're Googling trauma therapy or what kind of therapy after a sexual assault or what kind of, they find me at two in the morning because they're up, they're not sleeping. Um, and so one of the things that I think is no that number one, whatever it is, I believe you, and there are people that believe you. Number two, that living in that fear is does not it trauma does not have to be a life sentence. PTSD does not have to be a life sentence. Um, and I think the other thing is just imagine, even just fantasize for a second, like what would it be if I didn't live with this fear? And usually even just imagining that relief can be so empowering. Um, the other thing is just that like, make sure that you get someone trained in what you're after. So don't call a couples therapist if you're looking for help with like child sexual abuse. If you're needing help with eating disorders, don't call someone who specializes in grief work. Um, know that like, that there are people who get it, um, who will listen, who, like believe you and I think that's the biggest thing is so many people especially with like um any kind of sexual abuse or sexual assault there's a lot of like oh I'm making up up I should be over it I'm exaggerating it it was my fault well I was drinking did I flirt with him like all of this kind of stuff where that self-doubt will just eat you alive and just know that like you don't have to live with that you don't have to live with that and so you know, if you have a trusted friend, maybe talk with them. Your friend probably doesn't have all the answers and that's okay. Um, and like my my thought is, is just if nothing else to reach out, um, you're welcome to share my information. Even if I don't even take the person on as a client, that's totally fine. Sometimes I think it's just helpful to be like, hey, I'm dealing with this, where do I go? Um, and, and I'm happy to help with that as well. But um, just know you're not alone, know you're believed, and know that you don't have, it doesn't have to be a life sentence. So yeah. where can people find you? You have an Instagram, right? I do. I think my Instagram is Thrive Therapy Cincinnati. Um, I'm terrible at maintaining it. I'm trying to do better. So like, shout out to anyone who wants to do my social media. <laughs> um and I also have a website that I just had redone, thrivetherapyinc.com. Make sure you don't forget the ink. Um, and there's a place on there too, where if you're interested in just connecting and seeing if this type of work even makes sense for you, I do like to meet with people. Um, it's free, like 15 minutes, it usually goes over. Um, but I'm happy to talk with you, understand what's going on, what you're looking for. If I'm not that person, Again, I'm well connected and can give you very thoughtful, personalized sort of um, referrals. If I am that person, I'd get you scheduled ASAP. Um, right now, there's me and another therapist in my practice, both of us same specialization, similar styles. We've worked together for over 10 years, so we know each other very well. Um, 
but yeah, so feel free to reach out. I'd much rather hear from someone than not. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. It was so much fun and I, I learned a lot from you. So of course. thank you. <laughs>